welcome to today's episode. Today I am reading Neville Goddard's lecture from 1965 entitled <clears throat> Inner Talking. Tonight's subject is inner talking, and may I tell you, if you really believe it to the point that you really apply it, nothing is impossible. If you really believe it to the degree that you are moved to really try it, cost you nothing. All it costs you is simply a little time. But you must be diligent and really watch to see what you're doing on the inside. Paul tells us in his letter to the Ephesians, put off the former conversations which are corrupt, he calls it the old man, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now he tells us, put on the new man, which is created in righteousness, Ephesians 4.22. Righteousness is right thinking, always in the direction of your fulfilled desire. That's right thinking. He tells us, you did not receive this that you are now doing, speaking of the old man, of Christ. You did not so learn Christ, verse 20. That's his word. Can you conceive that you learned Christ? Yes, you learned about Christ as you do about mathematics, as you do about music, as you do about anything in this world. You have to learn about Christ and the entire Christian world by confining themselves to the human biography of Jesus, has robbed themselves of the knowledge of Christ. They don't know who Christ is because they think if I know and believe implicitly that a man was born supernaturally, and then he lived on this earth, and then he had the most horrible death, and then he rose. If I accept that story, that is Christ. There is so much more to Christ. So Christ, tonight we will discuss as this inner talking. First of all, he tells us, and those who reproach thee fell on me. The reproaches of those who reproach thee fell on me. Psalm 69, 9. Here is a principle. Like any principle in this world, it's impersonal. In Christ, there is no Jew. There is no Greek. There is no free. There is no slave. There is no male. There is no female. All are one in Christ, Galatians 3.28. So in Christ, one, no division. And everything that man has ever done to you or you to man fell on me. Well, who am I then? The one on whom all of these things fall, your own wonderful human imagination. So Blake cried out, What have I said? What have I done? Oh, these immortal words, these all-powerful human words. So I sit, and I think no one sees me, no one hears me. I'm all alone. I can just feel sorry for myself and go to the backyard and eat worms. And so I sit down, and I feel very, very sorry for myself. I carry on these inner conversations feeling horrible, and then he comes to the conclusion. What have I said? What have I done? Oh, all-powerful human words. If man would only understand that it is falling upon himself, all that he's doing, and that being is Jesus Christ. There is nothing in this world but God, and God became man that man may become God. And in becoming man, he is one with human imagination. That is God. Now, I can sit quietly and carry on the most heavenly conversations. And I know it will come to pass. No power in the world will stop it if I'm faithful to it. 
Now let me share with you a simple story that came er, came in this morning's mail. He is here tonight. He said, I called on a customer down in the beach area, and during the conversation, uh, something came up about imagination. I became all excited and told him what I knew of imagination. Well, he said to me, you seem so enthused, so completely carried away. Would you address my club? <clears throat> it's called the Unity Men's Club. He said, well, certainly. Right away, he set the date. This was last month, only a month ago. My friend then went home after he heard this uh, invitation. The man said to him, We get 18, 20 people at a time, but what, uh, what I will do, but what I will do is this. I will have a ladies' night, so we'll have a ladies' night. And they will bring their friends, so we'll try to get as many as possible. For it doesn't hold uh, too many, said he. It holds a maximum 65. So my friends simply imagined that it held almost capacity or capacity. He did it three times, said he in his letter to me. Three times I controlled my imagination where I heard people congratulate me for what I had said. I heard them all say how they liked it, how they would apply it and try to apply it. And all these things in my imagination and in our conversation would sell. On the day that I gave my talk, there were 64 people present uh, one less in capacity. At the end of the meeting, I was congratulated left and right. One lady said she represented the Norwegian club. Would I speak for her? Which I accepted. That I have done. That came the early part of this month. One from the Kiwanis club, one from another club, and many of the ladies thought I was a member of the club because they said they had never heard any minister so liberal in his interpretation of scripture. Well, he said, one thing I do know today, uh, this nail is, dri is driven in more deeply than ever before in my own inner conviction of the truth of what you talk about. I said to him tonight as he came back to see me, take a goal this year. If you have a goal, I do not know his goal. I said, if you have a goal and it's dollars and cents, whatever you have made this year, make it 10 times, make it 20 times what you made. Now, you know it's all inner talking anyway. What does it matter what others make? What they have made. Make it. You'll be no better off because you made it. You may be no nearer the goal of awakening as God himself, but you're living in the world of Caesar, and you've discovered now how you do it. Put off the former conversations that belong to the old man, for that is corrupt, and put on the new man, and he's created in righteousness. He's created in the right use of thinking. So if every day you catch yourself doing what you should not do, come right back. Don't criticize yourself. Don't condemn yourself. Just simply take your wonderful imagination, bring it back to the goal, and simply carry on these inner conversations from premises of fulfilled desire. So you will not have to be stunned and say, as Blake said in the 24th plate, uh, what have I said? What have I done? Oh, all-powerful human words. That's from Jerusalem. Man has no idea what he is doing morning, noon, and night with his inner conversations. And no power in the world can stop you from reaching your fulfilled desire if you are consistent with these inner conversations. That's what you and I are moving towards. So here are these inner conversations 
take the story of my friend Freedom Berry. He told all of his friends in June what he wanted for Christmas. He's passionately fond of music, and he wanted the interpretation of uh, Tristan and Isolde as given by Flagstad. He wanted it above all things. Christmas came. He had many records, but he didn't have that. And they all told him they had tried all over this area, but they couldn't get it. So after Christmas was over and there was no record of Flagstaff, no Tristan and Isolade, or Isolde, he then got into a moment of silence and carried on an inner conversation between himself and the salesman. He asked for his record and the salesman said, yes, we have it, sir. When the whole thing was real to him, it took on the tones of reality, all natural. Then physically, he made a trip to the store and he asked for it. The man said, we do not have it, sir. And mentally, he said to the man, that's not what I heard you say. He put beyond what he heard with the outward ear, what he had heard with the inward ear. That must take precedence over the outward ear. The outward ear must confirm what he heard inwardly. He said, that's not what I heard you say. As he was about to leave the store, he noticed a record, like a sleeve, these empty sleeves just advertising a record, and it was Tristan and Isolde, as interpreted by Flagstad. He said to the salesman, you shouldn't advertise merchandise that you do not have. The salesman said, you're right, sir, and reached up right there and then to take it off to find it was not an empty sleeve. It was a complete album of Tristan and Isolde. It had been there for over eight months, and in that interval, dozens, maybe a hundred people who wanted that record, uh, asked for it. And thinking that to be an empty sleeve advertising the record, he said nothing about it. He was prompted to say, you shouldn't advertise merchandise you do not carry in stock. And the man agreed with him and lifted it off the top to find it was not empty. Here was Tristan and Isolde, as interpreted by Flagstad. He would not take no for an answer. <clears throat> in yesterday morning's Times, L.A. Times, there was an interview with the Prime Minister of England, Wilson. And the reporter asked him what was his reaction when the head of China and the head of North Vietnam said no to his request to let uh, his foreign minister, who was a roving minister, Walker, visit them concerning bringing this thing in Vietnam to an end. They said no, they would not accept him. So the reporter said to the Prime Minister, What do you say to that? And his reply thrilled me. You never accept no on my job. You never accept no on my job. So you go and you ask and they say no. You don't take no. So the salesman said, No, we do not have it. He didn't take no for an answer. The hundreds who went through looking for that record couldn't see it. If they saw it, it was only an empty sleeve. But he was prompted to say, don't advertise merchandise you don't carry. So he naturally agreed with him and took it off to find it wasn't empty. Here was the record waiting for him for over eight months. His friends couldn't find it. They took the word of the salesman, we do not have it. I say to you, start these inner conversations. You will notice, because we are all creatures of habit, you have a habit to overcome. In the course of a day, you'll find yourself thinking negatively a thousand times. And you will carry on arguments with a thousand people from premises of unfulfilled desire. 
don't try to justify it. The average mind, not knowing this and knowing this story, will say, Well, let me finish this or finish it first. Let me finish my negative conversation first, and then I'll do it. I want to tell them off, or I want to tell him off. So, we bring before our mind's eye someone, and we carry on this negative conversation. We become aware of what we're doing, but it's so pleasant from a negative point of view, and we want to finish it. So, we carry on the negative state and finish it before we'll turn to the positive. Don't waste your precious time. The minute you become aware that you're carrying on these negative conversations, stop it and come back without any conversation with self. No condemnation of self, no justification of what you did, don't do it, and come back to the new man. Put off the old man, which he said is corrupt, and the old man is tied to conversations. Put off the former conversations, the old man, which is corrupt, put on the new man, which is created in righteousness. Well, if the old man is tied to my former conversations, the new man must be tied to my future conversations. Well, start it right now. The whole thing is all within us. Now, uh, Hermes, or Hermes, uh, in his great uh, Hermetica, written just about the time that our story of Christ is being gathered together, some people say it's 50 years B.C., some claim it's 50 years A.D., but it's within the same time that the great evangelists were gathering together the story of Christ, this fantastic story of the world. And he said, these are two gifts that God has bestowed upon man, alone and no other creature, no other mortal creature. He names the gift as minded speech. And he tells us that these gifts, minded speech, if used rightly, will make the user of this no different from the immortals. And when he quits the body, mind and speech will be his guides. And mind and speech will take him into the company of the gods, of the souls that have attained to bliss. For if what my friend told me tonight in his letter and confirmed it verbally just a few minutes ago is true, and I know from my own experience it is true, what power in this world can stop me from reaching my goal if I use rightly mind and speech? The same Hermes tells us that speech is the image of mind, and mind is the image of God. Well, if speech is the image of my mind, and my mind mirrored in speech is the image of God, then I know God. I know what he's doing within me. But who is doing it? I am doing it. Therefore, he and I are one. So he tells us, that which is manifested, or that which is manifest, manifested, <clears throat> that which has been or shall be, is unmanifested, but is not dead. For so the eternal activity of God animate all things. So that which has been, or that which shall be, is not dead. It's not now manifested. But I know now how to manifest. It is not now manifested. But I can manifest it. For if speech mirrors my mind, and my mind mirrors God, and soul, which is my own imagination, for that's the only soul I could think of, for I have proved it by experience, it animates things that seemingly are not so. For soul, the eternal animation of God, the, inter the eternal reality of God, animates all things. So, 
I will think of you and hear you tell me the most exciting news in the world concerning yourself. Sit quietly and listen just as though I heard. Well, who is listening? I am listening. Well, then, I am animating what I'm hearing. If I listen as though I heard and remain faithful to what I have heard, and this principle is true, then there's no power in the world that can stop it from coming to pass. It doesn't matter whether you are good in the eyes of the world or evil in the eyes of the world. This is a principle. If I'm going to confine my knowledge of Christianity simply to biography, human biography of Jesus, I'm going to rob myself of the reality of Christ. Christ is all-encompassing. He's everything. To say I believe in Christ and then go to church on Sunday or go to church like today, millions went to church today for these three hours. What did they hear? They heard the story of Jesus, a story as recorded in the Gospels. He was born in a strange way, lived a normal life, accused well wrongfully, and paid the extreme price and then rose from the dead which will take place this coming Sunday in the eyes of Christendom. But have they been told of the power of Christ? Have they been told that Christ is the creative power and wisdom of God? No, they haven't told that at all. They see a little man who sacrificed himself 2,000 years ago, a man who gave himself for us. Certainly he gave himself for me. He became me. He became you. He is buried in you right now as your own wonderful human imagination. I must now test. My friend tonight, having tested this, he knows tonight from experience who Christ is, for Christ does all things. By him, all things were made, and without him there is nothing made that is made. John 1.3 If he actually stood still and carried on a conversation uh, where about 18 people are present, But he has a very lovely attendance and he's telling them uh, to the point where they congratulate him and they ask him to speak at other clubs and then in one month to receive an invitation from four different clubs to speak. No one met him before, just the one person who was a customer. And here tonight, he knows exactly how uh, he went about it. He said the whole thing was prompted by a thought that you expressed just about A month ago, you said to those who were present, go out and tell the story of Jesus Christ. Tell Jesus Christ as your own wonderful human imagination, and, therefore, imagining creates reality. Well, he said, I went out, charged with that thought. Well, then, the opportunity arose in a matter of days. Called on a customer, and we got talking, when suddenly, I used the word imagination. And he used the word imagination, and I began to explain it to him. When the invitation came to speak to his Unity Men's Club, well, I didn't plan it that way. I simply went out charged with what you said. Go out and tell the story of Christ. I was told to tell the story of Christ. Well, certainly the story as recorded in the gospel, that's true. It will all unfold in you. Every bit will unfold in you. But long before the whole story, the drama unfolds in you, use the power of Christ. If you really want to transcend your present financial status, you can do it. 
Your status in this world, no matter what it is, you can do it. You can do it by controlling your own wonderful human imagination as you control it in words. For we are talking animals, as it were. You can't stop talking. You get up in the morning. Before you even see anyone that is conscious, you're talking to yourself, aren't you? In your dreams, you're talking to yourself. And all through the day, you're talking to yourself. And may I tell you, as one who takes this platform twice a week and who will answer letters brought in and all these things, devoting my entire life to it, in this strange and wonderful world of ours, I have to arrest my inner talking every moment of time. So let that encourage you. Every moment of time, I find myself inwardly from a letter received where there was no gratitude whatsoever, nothing but complaints, even though a dozen things work beautifully. And then your reaction is, so what? And you have to stop it right away. As you become aware of what you're doing, you've got to stop it and get back on the beam of positive thinking. Therefore, if I, a teacher, can confess to you that every day I become aware of negative inner talking and must arrest it, then my heart goes out to everyone who is not doing the professional job of it, because what must they be doing in the course of a day? But nothing in this world comes into being unassisted by these inner conversations. We're told in the book of Isaiah, My word shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. Verse fifty-five, eleven. Every word, so that's positive thinking now. Every word will accomplish that which I please. Not one word can return void if I do it in that manner. For you can spend, if you think, in the course of a day, you waste your time. Spend five minutes in constructive uh, inner conversations. It will overcome so much of the negative. Spend five minutes, sit down quietly with yourself, and carry on these wonderful inner conversations from fulfilled desire. May I tell you, no power in the world can stop it from coming to fulfillment. It must accomplish that which I please. So you are being pleased with this inner mood, and you do it. So if I take this story of the word of God, all right, the word is my inner speech. Life, said Hermes, is a union of mind and words. That is life. So... I make something become alive. I call a thing that is not seen as though it were seen, and the unseen becomes seen. How do I call it? I call it by my inner conversations. So I sit quietly and carry on an inner conversation from premises of fulfilled desire, and all of a sudden the unseen becomes seen. For, as Aramis said, that which is manifest that which has been or shall be is not manifested. But the soul, which is the eternal activity of God, animates all things. For this, for the soul is my imagination that I do know. I don't divide them. When I speak of the soul of man, I'm speaking of your own wonderful human imagination. And that's Jesus Christ. That's the creative power of the universe. So I will take something that is not seen as though it were seen carry on a conversation from the premise of fulfilled desire and bring it into the world. May I tell you, men will not even be aware of it, but everyone who has succeeded, they've done it. There are men today so completely geared to making money that they don't think of anything else. 
So all their inner conversations are from premises of successful ventures and the making of money. I'm not saying you want money. I'm not saying that you are satisfied with what you have. I'm not saying that. I'm just telling the whole vast world, whatever is the thing you desire uh, in this world is there. Or there is an inner conversation that, if true, would imply that you've realized it. And you carry on these inner conversations. Let no one tell you that anyone can stop you. They can't stop you. Someone this very night in a dungeon may be actually setting in motion tomorrow's conflict. They carry on a conversation within themselves from some horrible premise based upon a feeling of being abused or being ill-treated or being taken advantage of. There they are and they're carrying it and no one can stop it. They can't stop it. But you and I, knowing this, let them alone because you can't stop them anyway. Leave them and let them be exactly as they are, but you and I can start our own positive conversations and in some way modify it in our life. If we don't live in this manner, we're going to fall victim to what they're doing. If I tell you from my own personal experience, so these inner conversations are part of the mystery of Christ. To go out of here tonight and say, I believe in Christ, I believe he was born as the churches teach, and the gospel implies, and I believe that being a Christian, eventually, because I believe in him, I'll be saved, all that's wonderful, perfectly marvelous. But if that's all that I believe, I will live a horrible life here, because I don't know the real mystery of Christ. To believe only in that human biography is not enough. Listen to these words, how true they are. How simple they are. You learn Christ. You did not learn Christ, or you did not so learn Christ. Can you imagine that? Read it in the fourth chapter, the 20th verse of the book of Ephesians. You did not so learn Christ. For they carried on as they were. They believed the story of Christ, but that was not all. That's all that they believe, and he tells them. You did not so learn Christ. Take off the old man. Take off the old clothing. And now he extends it to a change of character. For these verbs to put off and put on. This really means simply a change of clothing. Well, he extends it to the significance of a change of character. I change my character by changing my inner conversations. How long will it take? Would it take long if I'm consistent? It should not take long. If I did it for a whole day, someone said if you did it for three minutes, you would change your entire world. Well, maybe you would. I will say if you did it for a day, become completely aware of what you're saying inwardly and change it to confirm to the wish fulfilled for a day. I do not know any power in this world that could uproot that tree from uh, bearing exactly what you want. You couldn't really. So, this is the inner speech. The inner conversation that the Bible tries to tell us to put into practice, my word shall not return unto me void, but it must accomplish that which I please. Every word. Well, what do I please? Well, for you, I can take you in my mind's eye and hear good words for you, just as though you were telling me what I am listening to. 
I'll listen to it as though I heard it coming from without, when really I'm whispering the whole thing from within myself. If I do it and believe in the reality of it, it must produce in me a certain emotion. For if a thought is only a thought and doesn't produce some motor element, it doesn't work. Now, what would be a motor element? A laugh, a tear would be a motor, a terror would be a motor element, uh, or tear, I think it's tear, and must become emotional, as Peter in the end. And Peter wept. The story that he heard, he believed it, but he didn't quite reach the point of emotion. In the end, Peter wept, it became emotional within him. And so if I could sit quietly and listen carefully, just as though I heard exactly what I want to hear, and it produced in me a smile, that's a motor element. So that an idea that is only an idea produces nothing and does nothing. It is only effective if it produces in me, the one who is listening, a motor element. So you sit down and you can't stop it. You feel like laughing on the inside. You feel a smile coming over you because you like what you're hearing and it produces that motor element and then it's done. So we are the one who heard the story and accepted it but didn't put it into practice. So we are told, test yourself. Do not believe that Jesus Christ is in you unless, of course, you fail to meet the test. I trust you will discover we have not failed to meet the test. These are his words in the end of the second chapter of the second book of Corinthians, the 13th chapter, verse 5. We're called upon to test ourselves and see if we are meeting the test. Well, so I sit quietly and test myself. I think of a friend, think of someone, and then listen just as though they're present physically. And tell me the most exciting news in the world until they produce in me the emotion of joy. When I feel I can laugh and rejoice with them and have the most wonderful view of them and a certain empathy on this rejoicing with them, well, then it's done. I don't have to really do anything beyond that. If this thing is true, well, I tell you it is true. So I call upon everyone here this night to test it. And may I tell you, my friend, who never spoke in public before, to do it. And in one month, uh, he took the challenge to go out and tell the whole vast world that you meet of the reality of your own wonderful human imagination. When the man said to him, what will you title your subject? He said in her speech. That was the title he gave to this talk when he spoke to this gathering of 64 in her speech. Then the one who invited him to the Kiwanis Club, which he hasn't yet faced, they requested something similar to that because that would uh, really fire them. And what, and what the Norwegian club requested, I don't know, but that's already behind him. He's done that. But you can't go beyond simply Christ. You can't get out of Christ. But Christ is your own wonderful human imagination. That's all that Christ is. He's actually became, he actually became us that we may become God. He's sunk in us. So when you wake in the morning and you begin to imagine, that's God in action. And so you carry on any conversation, 
good, bad, or indifferent. Listen to the words, and this is the 15th chapter of Romans, verse 9. It's a quote from the 69th Psalm. But they don't quote it accurately. But the meaning's there. The new translation uses the word reproach. The reproaches of those who reproach thee fell on me. While the 69th Psalm, the ninth verse, gives the same sense, but they use the word insult. The insults of those who insulted thee have fallen on me. Same thing. So if I'm reproached, it can't fall on someone else. The one who is reproaching me, he's exercising Christ, and when he reproaches me, it's falling on Christ. It can't fall on another. There is only Christ in the world, so your own wonderful human imagination and exercise, good, bad, or indifferent, that's Christ in action. So you don't think well of me, so those who reproach me are reproaching Christ. Are you embarrassed? I am not embarrassed, for I know uh, it tonight more than ever before how true that statement is. So, before I became awake, long before I rose from the dead to find myself resurrected, then to find myself born from above, long before that I was still the same being who afterwards awoke. <clears throat> when I woke, I was not other than the being who was asleep. When I was born from above, I was not other than the being who was not born from above. <clears throat> when I ascended as a serpent in the wilderness, I was not other than the one who had not yet ascended. When the dove descended and smothered me in affection, I was not then other than the one who had not yet been smothered with affection. So these words are true in that 15th chapter of Romans. And the reproaches of those who reproached thee fell on me. So he bears, like the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, he bears all the stripes of man. Everything in this world that is happening to man is happening to Christ. There is only Christ. So when I use my imagination unlovingly on behalf of another, I am actually reproaching Christ because the other, the reality of that other, is Christ. When he thinks well of me, he is exercising Christ in a real and wonderful way, in a loving way towards the Christ in me. So there's only Christ. So tonight, the easiest way out of the maze is to control your own wonderful inner conversations. You could start right now, but again, let me repeat that it may comfort you. I have been teaching now since 1938, the second day of February of 1938, across this country, as I am to you, small audiences, large audiences, vast audiences on radio where you cannot number them, where 26 states were tuned in, on TV where you go, and maybe half a million people tune in on Sunday afternoon. And after all these years, 1938 to now, I still find myself in need of constant watchfulness. So, I, a professional teaching others what to do, find myself in need every moment of time of watching what I inwardly say to bring myself back to the wish fulfilled. Then don't condemn yourself. Just don't spend one split second in justifying failure. Come right back to what you want and not dwell on what you don't want. Do it and finally it will become a habit. But after all these years, it has not yet been so much a habit in my own life that I don't have to constantly watch. So everyone is watching and watching. 
or they should watch and watch. But again, the lovely thing is this. If I, who can confess failure in my watchfulness, could still be singled out to be raised from the dead, and to be numbered among the elect, to be born from above, to discover David as my son, and all the lovely things, how infinitely merciful is God. He is not looking for that in degree of perfection, or no one would ever attain it. In fact, I am convinced that fitness is the consequence of grace and not the condition of grace. When he gave me himself, he fitted me, not because I earned it at all, so that really fitness for the kingdom is simply the consequence of his grace and not the condition of his grace. Now, let us go into the silence. All right, so there we have Neville Goddard's lecture titled Inner Talking from 1965. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I will see you next time. Bye now.